0: Build it and they will come. But what if they don't like what you built? Tottenham are through to the last 16 of the Champions League as group winners. They're in the top four of the Premier League. But there are rumblings of discontent in N17. Is Antonio Conte's football in line with what romantic Lily White's fans expect? Is Daniel Levy making enough money available for transfers? And how does Emerson Royale actually get picked for a Premier League team. I'm Kevin Hatchard, and this is Football Only Better. It's a lean, mean fighting machine of a tipping team today. Mark O'Hare has dragged himself out of the bet cave to talk to us and he'll be joining me for our World Cup special, which is coming up very soon indeed. We're going to have some very exciting guests alongside us for that one. Mark Tottenham on the face of it are doing very well, but they lost to Liverpool last weekend. They went out to the League Cup at Forest in midweek. There does seem to be a bit of grumbling about the style as well.
1: Yeah, and I think understandably so as well, because it's a story that just keeps on repeating itself as well. Spurs are starting games quite timidly, uh, inviting pressure onto them, uh, showing very little sign of adventure themselves in forward areas, conceding the opening goal and having to fight back and kind of more often than not sort of releasing the shackles in the second half, having to chase games and hoping to turn the tide in the second half and that's not been happening a lot lately because they have been handicapping themselves by these slow starts, but also injuries have, have bitten quite harshly too, particularly in forward areas as we know. But I think their approach has to be questioned. Uh, the second half against Liverpool suggests that they probably did merit a point out of that game, but you can't keep giving teams a head start in the manner that they have done. So. You know, we talked about it with Liverpool earlier in the campaign and now it seems to be a Spurs issue which needs to resolve itself. They've now lost three of the last four back-to-back home games. They've trailed by at least two goals in each of the last four and they've conceded first in seven of the last eight across all competitions. And they've not even scored before half-time in seven, which kind of goes to show the the issues afflicting them right now and why fans aren't happy, why they're not playing proactive football with the players that they have got. But um, I'm slightly surprised too, because I don't think Antonio Conte has shown this kind of level of performance in his previous jobs, particularly Inter Milan is most recent. They were a bit more offensively minded. They certainly weren't inviting teams on all the time. So, he is counter by nature, but I think this is taking it to the extreme at the minute. But, um, you know, Kuluzeski made the world of difference after he came on and having him back fit and available should be a big bonus. But um, he said himself, Conte, after midweek in, in the game against Forest, his team are tired. And that's why, you know, his lack of options meant Harry Kane had to start and play for 60 minutes. And, and he said Kane is tired. Kane is fatigued. But... He hasn't got a huge amount. That else bodes in... well for the World Cup. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did see Twitter was a, a wash with England fans, you know, berating his decision to start Harry Kane. But uh, I think from a Spurs perspective and Conte perspective, you know, he needs to try and win that game. They didn't, but anyway. So I, I think this weekend's game against Leeds is is fascinating because in theory it could and should really play into Spurs' hands, you know, providing that knockout blow on the counter attack because Leeds tend to be quite proactive in their nature. They tend to thrive in chaos as well, and there could be a fair amount of chaos in this game. Uh, They'll look to what they did at Anfield and take great confidence from that, but they were pretty fortunate to take the points in that match too. You know, Melier was outstanding and, and Liverpool were pretty profligate themselves, so. I think from a Leeds perspective, it's difficult to trust them, even at big prices, um, at Spurs, just because of the reliance on youngsters in recent weeks. Uh, We've seen Greenwood, Galhart, Somerville will make a difference. Uh, Gonotto as well, who had a fantastic season in Switzerland and made his debut for Italy in the summer. Um, But defensively, they, they are creaking and they tend to creak themselves, but particularly away at big six teams. It's two clean sheets all season. They've conceded twice or more in five of the last eight. So... I think goals would be an obvious approach here and I can see why people would be pro Spurs as well. But Tottenham have have managed just four clean sheets in the Premier League this season, including two in the last 10 and they've kept three shutouts in 13 when you include the the Champions League as well. So I'm quite happy to sort of leave either team aside. And if I was to focus on goals, you know, you'd look towards over two and a half goals and both teams to score as a potential wager. But I'm actually going to go down a different route here because it's the last Premier League weekend before the World Cup and, and just fire a few longer shots into the equation. I've got Leeds to score first at 15-8 to eight, and I've got Leeds to lead at half-time at 4-1. to one. And if you want to be really adventurous, you can do the half-time full-time flip-flop of Leeds half-time Spurs to win at full-time, which is 22 on the exchange, which, you know, based on the narrative of Tottenham games in recent weeks, wouldn't be the worst wager in the world. Um, Leeds have scored first on three occasions away from home already, including at Anfield. Spurs are actually giving up 0.53 XG per first half at home, and Leeds are generating 0.49 XG per first half when playing as well away. So, you know, collectively, both processes kind of look towards a team that could concede, that's Tottenham, uh, and a team away from home who could and should, in theory, create opportunities against the Tottenham team who might be sitting back and might be a little bit too tired to kind of take the initiative.
0: Yeah, it's going to be uh, an exciting game, I think. I like it when Mark gets punchy. Some really interesting wages there. The dashing doctor of data is in. Jake Olskathorpe from Goal is with us. He's going to be a big part of our daily World Cup shows that we're going to have throughout the tournament. Jake, what are the XG numbers telling you about Tottenham? Because they do seem to be doing well in terms of the league results in general. But you look at some of the performances and they're quite uninspiring and yet they won their Champions League group and you wouldn't necessarily say that they're not favourites against Milan. So where are they
2: actually at? Um, I'm finding them very difficult to assess because of the injuries that they've got at the moment. The key injuries in forward areas have really cost them. Uh, we've seen it a bit with Chelsea as well, but it's more with the fullbacks backs that, that's sort of stunting their development under Graham Potter um, but, you know, when you leave um, a, a Conte and a Tottenham team with just Harry Kane and Hume Minson Son as your forward players, they're, they're going to find life a little bit difficult because all of a sudden it becomes a little bit easier for the defensive team to set up and frustrate because they don't have an extra or a couple of extra players to, to worry about. I think it was at Chelsea away in the early parts of the season where we saw all four of them for about 20, 20 25 minutes with Charleston and Kulosevski as well. Um, so, you know, it, the numbers, they're not they're not as good as what we would expect to see um particularly what they started off with uh, at the beginning of the season they've definitely d- taken a turn um but you know they, they're still creating plenty of good chances the counter-attacking or the, the counter-attacking element is is still well it's proven key uh for getting decent results in recent weeks um but yeah the the, the issue that they've got at the moment is, is defensively which is really surprising um to me because you know the, the attacking emissions um, have led to Conte playing a more defensive approach, playing three central midfielders instead of just two, um, and you know, and three forwards. You thought that had kept them quite tired, but it's done the opposite. It's made them very easy to play against, very easy to create against. And um, I, I think Leeds will, I think they'll have a very good chance of going there and getting something because of the of the issues that I mentioned for Spurs. They'll definitely and they score. They do do
0: better against the better teams, Jake, don't they? Actually, that kind of chaos that Jesse Marsh brings into everything. That does seem to allow them to do better against better teams. Whereas under Bielsa, it was the total opposite, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, because I think Bielsa, it was just pure chaos. With Jesse Marsh, it's almost controlled chaos, if that makes sense. He likes the the uncertainty um, uh, of those kind of, of games because you know they can go either way. Usually, they go the way of the of the team with the better quality, but. If you have some sort of structure within the chaos and team, and you know if, you, if the players understand that if if this happens, if X Y and Z happens, then you do this, then all of a sudden you can maybe gain a small advantage. And, um, and yeah, I think I think they've, they've got a good chance of getting something. They're they're playing well from an attacking perspective. They're creating plenty of good chances. Um, and yeah, I, I think they'll go to Spurs and, and get a goal. And I know what Mark's coming from in a couple of. Long shots, but I'm just going to keep it very simple um, uh, and just go both teams to score. Because I I think it's a big price at uh, 1.72 on the exchange at the moment. I'd have it much closer to probably 1.6. Yeah, just four clean sheets in 14 games for Tottenham this season in the Premier League, which is a really, really low figure for a team that we expect to be kind of defence-first counter-attacking. But they have scored in every home game, averaged over two expected goals for per game. Leeds, the goals have obviously flown in, haven't they, in the last three or four weeks. Uh, 15 goals in the last three matches, uh, creating plenty away from home. 1.5 expected goals, for per game, which is a really, really high total uh, for a travelling team. The issue is that they've been conceding a lot as well. 1.8 expected goals against per game. So, you know, generally Leeds matches are, as we've said, a very high scoring. Um, and what we've seen from recently from Tottenham is their matches have started to go the the same way. They're losing that element of control, which uh, they started the season with, particularly at home. I think there were, was it four or five home wins in a row and they looked fairly good. Um, well, it was eight to... in
0: a row, I think, before they lost to Newcastle. I think they'd won eight at home in a row in the Premier League, maybe. It was a, an excellent run.
2: Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, the, the the introduction of Kulosevsky that Mark said, like, um, last week, he should be back fully fit for this. Uh, I would expect him to start, particularly with Son out. Um, I think it'd be a huge surprise if it was just Kane up front by himself with Perisic again. Um, I think if Kulusevski is fit enough to play half an hour last week, you'd expect him to be, be able to play at least an hour this time. That should help Spurs um, in attack. But yeah, I just thought this, this could be quite a, an entertaining game. Uh, both teams to score, he just, just looked a bit too big. I know it's a short price at 1.72, but I, I think it should be a lot shorter.
0: It was funny, actually, when Kulusevsky came on, he was kind of greeted like the second coming. It must have been an amazing adrenaline rush for everybody to be like, yes, Kulu's back. And he did more in about 20 minutes than most of the players on the pitch had done uh, in the entire game. Got a very exciting offer coming up ahead of the World Cup, by the way. It's to do with the Golden Boot market. Bet £10 on the Golden Boot winner and get a free £2 bet every time that player scores or gets an assist Now, that applies to the first bet placed on the golden boot market. Maximum £2 free bet per goal or assist. T's and C's apply. 18+. See gambleaware.org. Now, if you'd said at the start of this season that approaching the World Cup, Newcastle would look a better bet to finish in the top four than Chelsea, that would have raised a few eyebrows. But magpies are six points ahead of the west londoners although they have played a game more they meet in the northeast this weekend jake i'll start with you newcastle are a funny one really because almiron is playing incredibly well we know that but they're actually very well organized aren't they
2: yeah they're they're class they're playing um you know they're third in the league right now they fully deserve to be up there um their underlying numbers are, are really impressive is this a uh, yeah. coaching
0: thing then? Should we be giving Eddie Howe a huge amount of praise for this?
2: I think so, yeah. Yeah, I think he deserves a lot of praise. I think the, just in general, the 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 way in which the club has gone about the business since the takeover, that deserves a lot of credit as well. Because, you know, injecting that much cash, they could have just gone spending crazy and, you know, ended up in an Everton kind of situation where your financial fair play is tapping you on the shoulder. They've not done that. They've been sensible. They've bought they've bought in, you know, fits and spurts and they've been very methodical in what they've done. And they've built a team, really, rather than going out and buying individuals. And I think that that is something that, that they deserve a lot of credit for doing. Um and if Eddie Howe's had a say in, in the players that have been brought in, and we know he obviously dictates systems, then he again deserves even more credit because um yeah, they, they are playing like a a serious top four contender. They're they're close to being um, you know the run process is close to being on a on a level where we can maybe look in a year's time at them challenging for the for the title if it continues in the same um, trajectory because they are performing at a really high level. They've only lost once this season in the Premier League, which was at Anfield, a 97th minute winner or, or something along those lines for Cavallio. And you know take that away, they'd still be unbeaten. They've they've already played at United, they've already played City at home, they've already played at Spurs. You know, and you know what? With fourteen games into the season, they've got three or four games before the halfway point that are going to look really winnable. So, yeah, I I think they're the, they're the real deal. Um, as I said, the underlying numbers are just fantastic. they have the fourth best attacking team in the league based on expected goals, third best defensive team based on expected goals, third best overall team on expected goal difference per game, and they're the fourth best team on expected points per game. So that consistency across the board really the top four uh, for all the major metrics. Um, So yeah, I'm all over Newcastle to win this game. I really am. I know that some people might look at the price and think, oh, 2.4. Should Newcastle be almost nearly favourites at a neutral venue against Chelsea? Probably not. In my book, they absolutely should. Um, Not just because of what Newcastle are doing, but as I've said two, three weeks ago uh, on the podcast, really not impressed with Chelsea. Their underlying numbers have been really bad. Uh, Yeah, we were quite
0: negative about Graham Poster's appointment, weren't we? And it's for exactly this reason, I guess, that it was always going to take time and it's actually whether he's going to get that time because already, I mean, I know you can't take message boards and and Twitter and things like that into too much, you know, you can't set too much store by that, but fans are moaning a lot already.
2: Uh, Yeah, um, you know, I I, I nearly said rightly so, but, um, you know, I, I think that, as you said, Graham Potter is a guy who's very—he's a very smart bloke when it comes to you know, organizing a football team, and, and the patterns are so intricate in what he wants from his his system that they take a lo- long time to learn. You know, at Brighton, first season in charge, they only just survived relegation. Uh, yeah, and they finished sixteenth. So you know it's not going to be an overnight success um and then you add in the fact that they're missing key players you know for 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 a team and a manager who likes to play a back 3 with two with wing backs missing your two best wing backs and arguably the country's best wing backs in Reece James and Ben Chilwell is huge because not only does that hurt you defensively but they are your attacking weapons um and you know i think i think Thomas Tuchel um had suffered the same issue last year didn't he with, yeah, completely. with both James and yeah. Chilwell injured and and you know when you're playing in that kind of system, they, they're your main creative threats, are your full-backs. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're, I think that that's definitely hindered Potter. Um, it's definitely hindered Chelsea's progression. Um, but, I, you know, if, if you've not got the players to play that certain system, then switch it up, man. Play a, play a back four, play a couple of extra attacking players, because it's in attack that they are really, really finding it difficult to create. He's um, overseen seven Premier League matches now generated just 1.06 non-penalty expected goals for per game, which is incredibly low. Um, You know, you you would expect to see that from a a relegation contender. Even the likes of Fulham and Nottingham Forest are above that kind of level at the moment. So that's a huge concern. And at the other end of the pitch, they've actually, they look like they've got worse. They're conceding more chances of being easier to play against. They've allowed over two expected goals in three of the last five Premier League matches. Um, and in total have shipped 1.66 non-penalty expected goals against per game. So that tells you, on average, their opponents are creating 0.6 expected goals more than what Chelsea are on a game-to-game basis. And, and that's not a recipe for success whatsoever. that That's going to have you more towards um, you know, 15th, 16th in the league than it is the top four. So something's got to change. Um, and yeah, <laughs> they're heading to St James's Park to face a Newcastle team that are absolutely flying. They're welcoming players back from, from injuries that Maxman obviously played in midweeks. He's got some more minutes under his belt. Um, they've got a system, a way of playing, and they're really difficult to beat there. They've only lost two of 21 home matches under Eddie Howe, which is unbelievable. And the only two teams to beat them are Manchester City and Liverpool from last season. Yeah. So everyone, bar their, the two best teams that we've probably ever seen in over a three, four-year period, have gone to St. James's Park and, and either lost or drawn. So... Yeah, I I think the 2.42 is, um, I don't think it's short enough. Personally, I think it should be shorter because I do think there's a massive gap between these two teams at this current moment in time. Um, if this game was happening after the World Cup break and you you know Potter's had a bit of more time to work with certain players, um, maybe welcoming a few players back from injury, then then I would probably look at expecting it to be a little bit bigger. But at this current moment in time, with the, the way in which these two teams are playing. Um, uh, yeah i'm I'm all over Newcastle i think they're they're a great bet this weekend,
0: Mark, would you go along with that? Do you think Newcastle are the justifiable favorites here
1: yeah absolutely um, I think the easiest way of doing this is you know taking all the data that Jake's already mentioned. And, but just swapping the team names around, if it was Chelsea with you know, displaying the same underlying metrics that Newcastle are, and, and Newcastle vice versa, uh, you'd be looking at an odds-on shot easily. Um, you know, po- possibly even shorter than than sort of a four to five even. And it's just down to the the traditional name of Chelsea, you know, holding up their end of the bargain really. Otherwise, Newcastle would be much much shorter. And um, you asked us uh, two, three, maybe four weeks ago about Newcastle and. I was probably sleeping on them a little bit and it's only really this week when I started doing some digging on them. Jake's already gone and sort of talked about all the metrics. Very, very impressive. But I think from a a pure footballing standpoint that the coaching that Eddie Howe has done there has has worked wonders really. He's installed confidence in that team and you can see that in spades with Joel Linton and Almiron in particular. But look at the team in recent weeks, they've had Longstaff and share and Willock all featured pretty prominently players who were there before him, uh, and perhaps wouldn't say underwhelmed, but were perhaps playing within themselves are suddenly, you know, playing like world beaters really. And, you know, yes, there's been investment, but they've not gone out and, you know, broke the bank really apart from the signing of Isak, who's, who's barely featured. So, yeah. um, you know, I think full credit to Eddie Howe. Um, he was seen as an attack-minded coach at Bournemouth who couldn't organise a defence. Well, it's the complete opposite here. He's he's marshaled the, the best defence in the Premier League, who's lost fewer games than anyone else this season. And as Jake says, they have have been tested with four games against big six teams already. Uh, and this year actually marks the, a year in charge for Eddie Howe at Newcastle. He's overseen 41 Premier League games and averaged 1.73 points per game. If you extrapolate that to over a full 38-game game season, Newcastle would earn 66 points. Arsenal finished fifth last season with 69 points. So, you know, they're absolutely trending in the right direction. If you look at the calendar year table, they only trail Man City, Liverpool, Arsenal and Spurs, yet they're only two points behind Spurs having a game in hand as well. So, you know, we talk about potential top six candidates, they're, they're absolutely in the race for the top four right now. So, yeah, I give them a great chance of beating Chelsea. I'm taking a, you know, funny, you know, I took the, the longest shot in the last game and Jake was the shorty. I'm doing it the, the opposite this time around. I'm taking Newcastle, draw no bet on the exchange at 175. They have drawn six games already this season. As we've said, they've lost just once uh, that late game at Anfield. But, um, you yeah, know, the home record is superb. Uh, they're very much a cohesive team right now, which you can't say the same about Chelsea. Um you know, don't want to say too much more on what we've already talked about with Graham Potter but the honeymoon period definitely does seem to be over and the pressures massively on now they're, they're nowhere near where he wants them to be and as Jake says it can take time with him in charge you know go back to that first year in charge of Brighton and and people were, were sort of rubbishing the idea that he was brought in to replace Chris Hughton, and and sort of you know the dinosaurs of the game were, were sort of turning their nose up at him so you know that might be the same case this time around because the performance they put in at Arsenal was was wretched and they were blown away by brighton and a fortnight ago started yeah. appallingly well against man united as well so you know only five clubs are actually taking fewer shots in the premier league this season than chelsea which is um you know if you're not going to sort of take shots it's going to be difficult to win games particularly against the best defense uh, and five of their six wins have come against bottom eight teams i've got them ninth unexpected points ninth unexpected goals process as well so yeah you know everything that jake's mentioned I completely agree um you know chelsea aren't liked by the market so far, they went off as outsiders at home to Arsenal, but I think there's a good argument to say that they could be even bigger for this game at Newcastle, considering the way that they're playing right now. You've got a team who is just completely cohesive and knows exactly what's required against a team who, you know, still very much in the infancy of a new regime.
0: Well, it's worth bearing in mind you can get a £5 free bet by staking a £5 bet builder on Newcastle against Chelsea. T's and C's in the description, 18+. See gambleaware.org. So we're going to help you along with that. I'm going to chuck in something chunky to start with. Miguel Almiron, seven goals across his last seven Premier League games. He is 4.33 to score at any time. I will hand it on to Jake for the next leg of this.
2: I'll just go straight Newcastle win. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'll throw that. It's a big enough prize to boost the the builder.
0: So we've got Almiron to score, Newcastle to win. Mark, what have you got for us?
1: I've got the hospital pass, over I to try and find <laughs> third, find the third leg. Um, over
0: one and a half corners. There we go. You just <laughs> something really small.
1: I was going to say, um, maybe something like under four and a half goals because um, I just can't see this being a kind of... I know Newcastle has scored four or more goals in, I think, four of the last seven games, which is incredible really but um I think Chelsea will be strong enough at least to keep the score down but yeah maybe under four and a half goals because the the increase on Chelsea to win to include under four and a half goals was was big enough for me to really consider as a, a main play in this match
0: okay Manchester City continue their push for the Premier League title as they take on Brentford Jake how do we attack this I was looking at Brentford I always seem to get Brentford wrong I thought they'd struggle last season and they were struggling, and then Christian Eriksson dragged them up out of trouble. I was looking at the table again, and you kind of get the impression oh, Brentford, they're doing well. They've only won three games, so they've not had the best of start. I think they've drawn something like seven games so far.
2: Yeah, they, they have. They're a difficult team to beat, is 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 the reason that they're not in a relegation zone. Um, I, I My opinion of Brentford is always, um, you know. Rubbish away from home, really good at home. Um, that's my opinion of Brentford. I, I think if they if they had a backable price at home, I would generally be taking it because I think that they are a completely different proposition, um, similar to Crystal Palace um, to what, uh, at home rather than away from home. But having said that, I do think that they can get on the score sheet at the Etihad. Um, met, that makes both teams to score my bet in this. I just think 2.2 is a big price um, for a, a Manchester City team who... Yeah, they've conceded in 57% of the home matches so far this season in the Premier League. Um, they're, they're far from tight defensively. The players may have one eye on the World Cup and, and you know may come off the gas a little bit. I, I personally can see this being like a 3 or 4-1 home win. Um, the kind where City race into a lead and then switch off a little bit, if you like. Um, and yeah, Brentford, you know, the results have been really bad away from home, but they've actually scored in 71% of, of road matches, which is... Really high, 1.4 expected goals per game, uh, and it's a free hit, really, isn't it for for Brentford? We saw Fulham last week with the free hit, nearly pull off a bit of an upset, um, and yeah, nothing to lose. So, uh, yeah, I just thought both teams to score was was a big price, um, and I think it's leaning more on the, the Manchester City defensive process of last season than this season because we have seen a bit of an uptick in terms of the number of chances City are conceding just purely because they're playing more attack-minded football. I think, and, and they're looking at outscoring teams rather than Controlling teams.
0: Now you never hear from producer Jack. We we just kind of let him do his magic in the backgrounds, and he's just informed me that that bet builder we put together is eight point zero one. So uh, that is under four and a half goals in Newcastle, Chelsea, Newcastle to win, and Miguel Almirón to score at any time so thanks to producer Jack for that one uh City's title rivals Arsenal go to Wolves I think he thought I was going to invite him onto the show There, he was probably quite scared <laughs> about what was going to happen uh Arsenal go to Wolves who are still in limbo to some extent Hulen Lopetegui he's going to take charge but not for a little bit probably after the World Cup so Mark they're in a bit of limbo Arsenal beaten by Brighton in the League Cup in midweek so That'll have got them raging, I imagine. So we might see <laughs> fired up Arsenal. <laughs> I don't think they'll be too bothered, to
1: be honest. But, um, I don't know, yeah. you know.
0: I don't know because the the way Arteta's running things. I know, obviously, you look at it and he he played, you know, he played a goalkeeper he wouldn't normally play, and you know, it wasn't the strongest team. But actually, winning breeds winning, doesn't it? And that's a bit of a blow if you lose at home to Brighton, considering how good they normally are at home
1: uh, I I disagree on this one because I just think that the extra rest that not having another game or another cup run in the calendar will, will do them the good if they're, if they're genuinely title contenders which we believe at the moment they are um, and they're competing on Europe as well I don't, I don't think there's a necessity to sort of go go deep in another cup competition um, because the benefits of, of winning that trophy uh, I guess for a club of Arsenal stature, you know, it's always nice to win a trophy, but it's it's still a long, long way away. And I think they would be much better, sort of better off sort of refocusing their efforts to, towards the, the league campaign. And, and like look-
0: listening to Mike Ashley. It's a disgrace. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think great for Brighton, but on
1: Arsenal, yeah, whether it was a speed bump or not, we'll, we'll wait and see. But, um, I thought last weekend's performance away um, at Chelsea uh, was probably one of the best I've seen from Arsenal in a big game away from home for a long, long, long time. Um, Chelsea, yes, were were very, very poor and that contributed. But Arsenal were, you know, they executed a game plan supremely well. um, Really hard to fault the final score. They gave away literally nothing across the full 90. I think Chelsea's XG was below 0.3. But Arsenal created plenty of their own moments. You know, really, really impressed. Saka was... Uh, you know, had uh, Cucurella on strings down one flank, you had Martinelli and Jesus combining beautifully down the other end, super solid defensively. They've now conceded only four goals in the last seven, one of which was a penalty. And they won the key midfield battle, which we talked about really as well. So um, it was almost or as close to the perfect away performance as you can get a big six rival. So they'll be absolutely buzzing. Uh, they're clearly the second best team in the country right now. Um, and you know you have to treat them with respect coming into this weekend. So. I'm fully backing them to beat Wolves away from home at Molyneux. You can back Arsenal to win an over one and a half goals at 1.85, which I think is more than attractive. You know, basically just ruling out the 1-0 away win. I know they've tended to be a bit more restrained and controlled and and conservative in away games under Arteta, but um, I think they'll benefit from the fact that Wolves are in limbo, as you say, and have played a little bit more. Well, they've looked loose in recent weeks under Steve Davis. Um, you know, he was really critical of their defending last weekend and they put in a decent shift considering they had 10 men for a lot of that match and they did create chances of their own but Brighton scored three and probably could have scored six Um, and that is concerning really coming up against an Arsenal team who are firing on all cylinders in both boxes so you know that's my concern really for Wolves the centre-half partnership has gone to pieces they've conceded multiple goals in six of the last eight they've conceded three or more goals in half of those eight games as well And their only wins this season have come against bottom three rivals. This is a team we've talked about for probably 18 months or or longer, really, of being competitive against the big teams because they've got a really strong, solid base and foundation to work from. And they keep teams, you know, it's hard to break them down. That's certainly not the case this season, or at least in recent weeks as well. And look, they lost time and away against Arsenal last season. Arsenal have improved immensely. Wolves have regressed significantly. So, um, I think the Arsenal price to win the match is actually bigger than it probably should. Bigger than it um, than I expected. I think they should be shorter for this game. So, yeah, happy to get them on side. I think it's an away win.
0: Now, what do I have down here? Oh yes, it's the Christopher and Kunku drum. <laughs> boom, boom, boom. Right, Christopher and Kunku scored in nine of his last eleven. Including each of the last six. He even scored in midweek. I didn't even get to tell you about that one. <laughs> 2.4 on the sports book to score against Verde Bremen. Verde Bremen concede loads of goals. They play nice open football. He's going to get chances as long as he starts. If you wait a bit, you might even be bigger than 2.4 on the exchange. Get involved until the markets actually wake up to what's going on with Christopher and Kunku. Get involved. Ah. What's this? Ah, it's the Musiala megaphone. Hello! <laughs> Jamal Musiala is 2.5 to score for Bayern against Schalke. Schalke are rubbish. Yes, they beat Mainz in midweek, but they're not very good. They concede lots of goals. Jamal Musiala scored in five of his last seven games. Bayern as a collective in all competitions, scored 80 goals. They put six Pasverde in midweek. And you can look at Schuppermoting. Oh, he's odds on. Look at Ganabri, He's a rubbish price as well. Musiala, 2.5. And that's only on the sportsbook. So if you look on the exchange a bit closer to the game, it may well be that he's even bigger than that. Now, it's time for it? no more instruments. No, oh, that's it. We've got the megaphone, we've got the drum. We're all good. Not got
2: We're the tour ram trumpet this week?
0: Ah, well that will be maybe next week, but I'm not oh. sure. I'm not sure. I got burned by that in midweek. It didn't score against Bochum and they've got Dortmund on Friday, so I'm not as sure about that one. Uh, it is time for you know it's your favorite bit of the show. I know it's your favorite bit of the show. It is Marco He's Scott Watch. Yes, the Scottish Tourism Board have reported a 230% increase (laughs) in visitor numbers (laughs) since we started this feature. So, Mark, take it away.
1: Yeah, we had a lovely winner last weekend, hoping for more because I've got another goals based option. But, yeah, first, a quick question for you, Kev. Bear in mind, we're in Scott's Corner now. What is the best league in the world?
0: It's Scottish League too. We all obviously, know
1: that. Yeah, obviously. Too easy, really. But um, yeah, that's where I'm heading again. Uh, it's turning up wonderful week week on week value, really. Stenhouse-Muir, we touched on them last week. They're involved again. Um, they drew two all at Elgin last weekend, uh, banking the over two and a half goals and both teams to score. Same selection again. It's even money. Um, the league as a whole this season is averaging over three Point zero eight goals. Uh, propo- um, the proposed over two and a half goals and BTTS wager has banked in 57% of matches, which, if you turn that into implied odds, would be 1.75. We're getting evens. Um, firstly, Stranra, they're a mid table team with a preference to play at home. Uh, their results have been very strong at home, but they scored an 11 of 13 overall, kept two clean sheets. Nine of those matches have seen both teams scoring. Eight have topped over to two and a half goals. Uh, and at home, we've seen a five from seven hit rate for BTTS and overs. Um, and yeah, fixtures at home tend to go over three, over three goals quite comfortably. But uh, yeah, Stenny are the, the real deal here because they are the great entertainers of this league. They've now failed to win in four, so they've lost their place Steny, in the top four. Is that
0: a thing? Steny? Steny, that's their nickname, That's yeah. genuinely a thing, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Um, <laughs> okay. He's I read become out... immersed in the world of Scottish League too. Yes. I love it. I love it. That's yeah, um, good. I read
1: out last weekend, last week, um, their recent results, but it's just worth kind of revisiting that because it's now the last 10 games have gone 2-2, 2-2, 1-3, 2-2, 2-4, 1-2, 3-3, 3-1, 1-2, 3-1. <laughs> So matches overall averaging 3.77 goals, 12 of 13 have gone over, 7 of 13 over 3.5, they've scored in 12 of 13, they've conceded in 12 of 13 and both teams have obliged in 11 of 13. So fully expect this price to go off a lot shorter, but um, yeah, both teams are scoring overs at even money between Stranraer and Stenhouse Muir.
0: This is genuinely the most exciting development in Scottish history since the Crankies. Now it's time for the world-famous podcast, Treble, a feature so popular that Elon Musk tried to buy it before he bought Twitter, but we said no, we don't need his money. How this works is that the three of us come up with a selection each ahead of the weekend's action. I'll go first, because that's the benefit of being the presenter. I'm going to go for Leicester draw double chance at West Ham so you're basically getting the draw and you're getting Leicester to win Leicester are suddenly good uh, they've only lost one of the last six West Ham finding it very tough at the moment went out of the cup to Blackburn in midweek on penalties so that's my selection basically Leicester to avoid defeat at West Ham Mark I'll go with you next
1: I'm just going to take both teams to score in that Stranraer against Stenhouse your match I think it's a cracking cracking game to be involved in
0: sensational bit of uh sprinkling of stardust there on the podcast treble and jake
1: uh i will
2: go btts in the spurs leeds game in the prem
0: okay lovely stuff i've got a good feeling about that one whether that's a good thing i'll leave you to decide that's all we have time for on this edition of football only better remember the cool kids listen to or indeed watch these days. Both shows and the Sunday show is going to be packed with betting goodies too. Lots of stuff happening ahead of the World Cup. We've got our special preview show uh, involving some very exciting guests, including Mark O'Hare. What more could you possibly want? I don't know if we can crowbar Scott watch into that, but maybe we'll try. Uh, we're going to have daily shows throughout the World Cup as well, from Jake, from Mark, and from me. It's goodbye for now.